in our studio with uh, Dr. Stan Fowler of Heritage Seminary, a member of Grandview Baptist Church, and myself, your host for this broadcast, Pastor Bob McGregor, also of Grandview. And uh, Stan, last time we met, we kind of opened up a subject. I'm not so sure we concluded it as well as I'd like to. I'd like to conclude it better today. Uh, but we just spoke about the, um, the issue of being in leadership and trying to give an answer to our, our own uh, church folk who are facing issues of sexuality that none of us really were um, well taught in in our seminary days. It's something that we've had to pick up on the fly. Uh, but we we began moving in our last broadcast to what does that look like um, when we try to uh, be charitable with people who have conflicting views. And so I think that's where we're going to go today. Did you have any uh, introductory comments you'd like to make? Well, Bob, I, I re- as you know, I recently wrote a blog uh, post on our Heritage Seminary blog dealing with this whole question of, of how we deal with unity and diversity on a challenging topic like attitude towards same-sex unions. And after I wrote that blog, I I had some comments from various people um, online, uh, comments and emails, and uh, from both sides actually. Uh, but in particular, one one person responded and said, "You know, you and your school have been long on truth and short on grace." And and another person, a pastor friend, said. You know, somehow you need to learn to be kind and compassionate and loving toward people who are involved in same-sex relationships, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not doing a good job of that. So it, it forces the question on us of how we think about uh, relating to, I guess there are two levels, uh, people who are involved in same-sex unions of one sort or another, and then, uh, and then people who want to say, well, that's an open question and we need to make room in our church for, for people involved in, in such relationships, even though I might personally mm-hmm. have trouble with it. Should we, uh, how can we act rightly toward the people who are, are involved in those relationships? So when you say in your introduction there's two sides, you heard from two sides, just for the sake of our listeners, what would those sides be? Well, from one side, I, I had uh, an extended email interchange with a pastor friend who said, you've, you've said in your blog that, um, that true evangelical churches might at the same time be accepting of uh, false teaching and diversity on the question of same-sex relationships. And I think you're you're uh, unbiblically charitable. You're, you're way too kind toward them. For, now, to that, I push back by saying, look at Revelation chapter 2, what, what the risen Christ said to the churches at Pergamum and Thyatira. He commended both churches for their faith, for their love, for their, their growth in those areas, and at the same time said, I have this against you. You need to repent of tolerating false teaching about sexual immorality. And your light is about to go out. Right. So so from the one side, I had somebody say, you're too charitable. You're, you're saying you can have genuine evangelical churches that are somehow wrong on this. From the other side, I have the criticism 
you're you're not kind enough you're not gracious enough toward these people involved in such relationships and 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 that's the side that we're we're really talking about today all right so um we're, we face this uh, we've all had conversations where we think we're misunderstood. No, I didn't mean that. I was at a life group in our church a little while ago, and this just, this just hit the fan. Someone said something that was true and sincere, but uh, all of a sudden it became a matter of hate, and why would you say that? And and this is a real issue, and so we want to just go there right now. How do we um, position ourselves? What kind of tone do we use? How can we speak lovingly? Uh, to the lost, and even those that are misguided, uh, untaught in our own churches, how do we present God's view on sexuality in a way that is um, winsome? Well, first of all, I think we need to address the question, should we really be kind and gentle to people who are, in our opinion, wrong on, on a very important point here? And after all, we're talking about people who are opposed to our and what we understand to be biblical sexual morality. So they're enemies of the truth at some level. I mean, should we really be kind to such people? And I think one of the key biblical texts uh, that I always bear in mind is what Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 3. I mean, he, he explains in the epistle, he sent Titus to deal to help the churches in Crete a notoriously pagan society. And at the beginning of chapter 3, he says, remind the believers to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. And then he, he goes on to explain the reason for this, namely... Doing that is acting toward others the way God acted toward us when we were foolish, disobedient, etc., enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. God acted toward us in mercy and grace and saved us not because of the good we've done, but in spite of the bad we've done. So if we want to be godly, godlike, then we have to be willing to, to act in a, in a humble and gracious way toward people who are caught up in various kinds of error. And would you say that these would be victims, people who haven't um, had an opportunity to think differently about it? They're just going along, as Paul says, the course of this age? Well, they might be that, or they might be people who, who've considered the issue uh, a good bit and, and still are adopting a, a very flawed, uh, unbiblical, and, and um, dangerous view of all this. Uh, it's a kingdom-excluding type of lifestyle, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. So we're talking about a, a very significant error here. But even then, we we carry on spiritual warfare against falsehood by speaking the truth in a patient, kind, gentle, humble way. And that's not always easy to do. Now, I, I think at the very least it means, for example, that we have to avoid all kinds of, um, how shall I put it, vicious language about such people. Unfortunately, the wider world around us often knows about Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, why, do, why do we Kansas. have that? Why are there so many, not just Westboro, but um, a lot of evangelicals just, um, they cringe at the idea and can't help but speak so negatively and, and in a hostile way about that. 
That may be what one the theologian called the yuck factor. For, for many of us, when we, uh, we encounter a homosexual lifestyle, it, it is, in fact, uh, very repulsive, and we, we react to it in a visceral way. And unfortunately, we sometimes give in to the temptation to, to simply speak from our gut, so to speak, and, and speak in a nasty way about others. And so you get a Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas, that has a website called godhatesfags.com. Unfortunately, a lot of people know about that website, and regrettably, um, they're Baptist. At least they say they're Baptist, and so we've got a lot of splaining to do when we people do. raise that. So, Stan, we do everything we can as, as loving people, gracious people, speaking the truth in love, to people who ask us on the street about this issue, and um, we explain it. Is there a way of doing that uh, that will not get people's backs up against the wall? Because there is this uh, attitude that when we speak contrary to uh, a person's sexuality, that they see us as attacking their identity. It's like saying to someone, you shouldn't be black or you shouldn't be male. That's how they hear it so often. And so naturally, they, they're hostile. They, they respond the way they do. Can we speak in such a way to avoid that? Well, it's a major challenge. I mean, there are, there are ways we can do that for sure. We can, we can choose our language carefully. We can explain that uh, all of us as human beings are by nature oriented toward disobeying God. And so all of us, if we're growing to be the human beings we ought to be, are often saying no to some of our natural dispositions. And, and so we can make it clear that, that we aren't trying to adopt a holier-than-thou attitude. We're not trying to be smugly self-righteous. But the challenge is, um, no matter how loving and compassionate we may be and how much we want to help people move in what we understand to be um, not only something honoring to God, but something for their good, still, they, they, they just may find it impossible to perceive it in that way. I mean, if when we're... Let's say we're trying to help someone who's caught in an addictive lifestyle, alcohol or drugs. They know they have a problem, really. So if we say to them, you've mm-hmm. got a problem, you really do need to change, um, they can appreciate that we're speaking for their out of, out of our concern for right. their well-being. Uh, if a person's caught up in a failing marriage, they understand they need help. And, and so even if we're critical... Mm-hmm. choices they make they they can sort of appreciate where we're coming from but on this point no it, frankly it's very difficult people are saying you're attacking who i am it's something that is celebrated everywhere else celebrated indeed and think of the recent conversation with one of the one of the people aspiring to lead the conservative party of canada richard de Carie in quebec when asked about homosexuality is it a choice? He said, yes, it's a choice. Now, I just think we, we obviously we have to be careful about the way we say that. If we mean by that, oh, I think, you know, people sat down one night and said, do I want to be heterosexual or homosexual? Well, I think I'll be homosexual. Give it a go, yeah. No, that's, that's not the way it happens. Uh, 
people have that disposition for a lot of reasons. And a lot of them initially don't want it. They fight against it. Right, they do. And and yet, and and yet the the kernel of truth in this comment of course is people choose to act on mm-hmm. certain dispositions. Mm-hmm. And so it at some point, if a person recognizes a, a same-sex attraction and disposition in that way, then then they do have to choose: do I do I respond affirmatively to this disposition, mm-hmm. or do I not? So, it, it, there there are some choices involved, but still, we need to recognize we can only control what happens on our end, and we must be loving and compassionate. So when you wrote that article and you got, you felt pulled between or pushed between two sides, did you feel like, I wish I hadn't written it, just go back into your office and <laughs> love Jesus? No, no. I think we, we have to be entering the conversation about all this, and we have to be, um, especially with fellow believers, what shall I say, stimulating one another to think about how do we speak truth with grace? How do, how do we imitate our Lord in that way? Okay, but our Lord, when he spoke grace, got crucified. He did. Now, uh, should we be okay with that? I think we, we need to accept the fact that no matter how well we do it on our end, no matter, no matter how much it is true that we speak gracefully, Others around us in the wider society simply may not see it that way. They may not accept it that way. They they may say we're the victimizers, and that's that's where we find ourselves right now in in Canada. The the public attitude, the public rhetoric, not necessarily from our same sex couple neighbors, but the public rhetoric is you're the victimizer. Yeah, it's just so unfair, you know, because. I don't think there's anyone who loves people more than someone who knows Jesus fully, who has been rescued from a life of sin. Um, No one loves more than that. And it's just not fair that uh, people with that kind of love should be labeled as being hateful and, and bigoted. But we do need to understand that part of our calling is to suffer for righteousness sake and not to think of ways, well, how can I spin this? Um, I don't want to be thought in this way. I've, I've got to somehow increase my reputation. And sometimes when we think that way, we compromise on the truth. Yeah, there's no question about that. We, we rightly want to be humble and gracious and kind. As, as, as Paul told Titus there in Titus 3, as, as Peter says, the first epistle of Peter, I think, has, has just loads of fresh meaning for us as we think of living for Christ in our time and place. And, and Peter's very clear. Um, you, you be sure that if you do get persecuted, make sure it's, it's for righteousness' sake. And, and not because you're a jerk. Right. Not because you're acting, in fact, in unrighteous mm-hmm. ways. And, and sometimes that happens. If we pay back evil for evil, if we pay back slander for slander, uh, if we act in those ways and, and people criticize us, well, we're not being criticized for righteousness. Amen. Sake then. And we in leadership need to hear ourselves, right? Because uh, James says, don't be... A be not many teachers because you're held accountable. And sometimes people get the tone of what we're teaching and preaching more than they do the content. 
So Stan, we, we just got started on this, but we're going to go somewhere because um, in leadership, sometimes we're faced with very difficult decisions. And uh, next week, when people tune into this podcast, what are we going to ask? We're going to ask, is it ever right to attend a same-sex wedding? Stay tuned. Stan and I will be back next week on Thinking About It, and we hope that you can tune in and join us then. (laughs) 